0: brought a Bible, go please to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, the last book in your Bible there, Revelation chapter 5, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here on the screen, or you can look it up on a digital device, but we're continuing a sermon series entitled, Taming Lions. How many of you have been facing your lions this week? I know you have, because you've been telling me about it helpful folks said, Pastor, God's been sending all the lions at once. I, I don't know what to do. But God has given the church authority to tame lions, to bring the enemy under our feet. And this morning, I want to talk about a different lion than the one we've been talking about so far. Now, this one is foretold in the book of Genesis. He's revealed in the Gospels, and he is introduced here in Revelation chapter 5. And we're reading the words of the Apostle John, who writes about a vision that he saw. He said, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because there was no one found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has overcome as to open the book and to break its seals. I want to use this as a subject this morning. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Would you pray with me? Father, we honor you and we give you praise this morning for the word of God, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We're so grateful that you have called us your children you've given us your word to live by. Now we ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they, they might receive God's word with gladness in their heart. We ask that in Jesus' name and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Before I get into the message, I just want to recognize that there's a family here this morning from Galveston. They are... Uh, Faithful attenders on Facebook, and they're part of the Kingsway family. Would you please uh, welcome Sister Minerva and Brother Felipe um, this morning? Praise God. So glad that they could be here, and that their daughter as well. What a blessing it is to be able to touch lives uh, from Beville around the world. And you guys are doing that uh, as you continue to uh, support the work of the Lord here at Kingsway Church. The Bible tells us about John. John was probably in his 90s when he received the book of Revelation. The information in the book of Revelation can be a little bit hard to understand because it is a vision, a picture in words of what John saw. He tried to describe heaven, really. And he tried to describe future events. And he did so the best way that any man can do He used pictures to do that. But I want to focus on on one of the images, one of the scenes of the book, because there are very many, and we don't have the time today to really go in through and talk about all the great wealth of wisdom that is found in the book of Revelation. But I want you to look at this scene with me this morning. John saw in chapter 4 of Revelation, he saw the throne of God, and he saw that He that sat upon the throne sat in authority and power, as no doubt you and I know that there is a God who sits on the throne, and he sits in authority and power. He sits unquestioned in his authority. The Bible said that in the hand of of God, in the hand of of he that sat upon the throne, there was a book. This book really would not be like a, a book that you and I would find in our generation or our day, but it's more like a scroll And this scroll had on it seven seals. And what we understand about this scroll is that this scroll was the title deed of the earth and the creation. And it was the title deed of the human race. Found within the pages of that scroll is history itself. And the control of history and the control of the destiny of multitudes of millions of souls... All of the futures of your life and my life and all of the billions of people that live on the planet earth from Adam until today. That story, that history was wrapped into that scroll, the title deed of our future, of our history as mankind. The question was asked, who is able to open this scroll? Who is able to buy it? Who is able to redeem it? You see, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden back in the book of Genesis, they, they sold the rights and authority of the human race over to Satan. And so, Satanic power has governed this world uh, from that time until this. Even Jesus said that Satan was the god of this world. So the question is asked, who is able to redeem the world out of the authority and grasp of Satan, who is able to redeem the world from sin, who is able to buy this book and to break its seals. The scripture says that uh, John looked around and he saw no one worthy to open the book, no one worthy to redeem, no one who was able. And John says, I looked in heaven and there was no one in heaven who was able. I looked on the earth and there was no one on the earth who was able. He said, I even looked under the earth. I looked into the, into the pits of the abyss, and I found no one who was able to buy the book and to break its seals. And John came to a moment of stark realization when he realized that there was no one qualified to redeem. There was no one qualified to save because angels couldn't die for men, so they couldn't redeem. And men couldn't die for men because they weren't innocent and holy, having been stained by sin. And certainly, demonic forces couldn't die for men. And so, John looks at this hopeless situation and he does what many of us have done in hopeless situations he began to weep. I think maybe this morning there are some of you who have wept. You've wept over things you couldn't control. You tried as best you could to save that thing, to save that marriage or to save that job or that company. To save your family from certain ruin and yet you haven't been able to stop the the impact of those things that have come into your life. And maybe this morning you like John are weeping over the hopelessness of the matters that surround you. But can I tell you when John began to weep, one of the angels came to him and said, John, stop weeping. And I have a message for you this morning. If you're weeping, God this morning says, stop weeping. He says, you don't have to cry anymore. You don't have to be hopeless anymore. You don't have to be joyless anymore. Come on, somebody. You don't have to weep anymore. Stop weeping. Because Uh, This angel came to John and said, John, stop weeping. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he has overcome and is worthy to take the book. He is worthy to redeem, to break the scrolls, and to write the end of history. He is able to rule and to reign in authority. How John heard this word, this, this title that was given ...to this person that I'm talking about this morning. He calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you will find that in the book of Genesis... ...the the tribe of Judah was given a prophecy concerning the Messiah. And they were told that out of the tribe of Judah would come a lion. This lion would not be a physical lion, but rather a person who would have lion-like qualities... Lion-like characteristics. We notice if you read that prophecy that, first of all, we're told about the lion of the tribe of Judah, that men would praise him. We're told about a man who men would praise. A man who would not only be praised by men, but who would be worthy of the praise of men. You see, we look around in our day and there are many who receive the praises of men. But they are not worthy to receive the praises of men. There are many who receive the praises of their fans and they receive the praises and adulation of those people that want to wear their name or their t-shirt or their number. But you see, all glory is fleeting and all fame is like a grass that withers in the hot sun. And I tell you, friend, there is a person who is worthy of praise. There is a person who is worthy of adoration because his fame is not for a moment. His fame is not even just for a lifetime. His fame and his glory is forever and forever and he alone is worthy to be praised. He alone is worthy of adoration and glory and and honor and that you and I should give him praise. Why don't you give him praise in the house of God this morning? Now we're told about the Lion of Judah, that his hand shall be upon the neck of his enemies. Now I want you just to picture a lion with his paw on the, the enemies, on his praise neck. So we see Christ, that his hand is upon the neck of his enemies. I don't know if that, all, if that just about sums it up for me right there. That there is no enemy over which Christ does not have absolute and total control and victory. Come on, somebody. You might think that the enemy in your life is strong and powerful and able. And he may be stronger than you and more powerful than you. But he is not stronger than the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus has control over him. Jesus has authority over him. So great is the authority of this lion that we are told that men will bow down to him. The sons of the earth will bow down to him. What does that tell us about? It tells us about the lordship of Jesus Christ. It tells us that Jesus Christ is Lord and that one day The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, you know, there's going to be a great parade one day. A great parade of all of those who have denied the authority of Christ. Every one of those people who have opened their mouth and spoken against Jesus. You know, Adolf Hitler called Jesus a wimp. But one day, Adolf Hitler's going to bow his knees and he's going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, and you know, the atheists say that Jesus doesn't even exist. But the day is is coming when every one of them will bow their knee to Jesus and declare not only does he exist but he is Lord and he is Lord to the glory of God the Father we see further on that this lion the Bible says who dares arouse him so mighty is this lion so powerful is his his authority and character that no one dares arouse him Friends, if Satan knew what was about to happen when he nailed Jesus to the cross, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Because what he didn't realize, that the one that he crucified on Friday was the roaring lion of power and life on Sunday morning. Who dares arouse him? This lion of the tribe of Judah, the scripture says, the scepter shall not depart. From his hand. That means he has authority over government. He will be king forever. He will be king today. He will be king tomorrow. And in 10 million years. He will still be king of kings. And lord of lords. He will reign forever. And forever. Now the lion of the tribe of Judah. Is interested in your life. He wants to be a part. Of your life, because you see, friend, unless you have Jesus, you will have weeping. Listen, weeping comes when you don't have the lion of the tribe of Judah, when you don't have the hope that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and a walk with God. And so, this morning, I have two uh, uh, instructions, two challenges for your life, and I pray that you will take them to heart. The first challenge is this. Let the lion loose. Can you say that with me? Let the lion loose. You know, uh, Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher of a day gone past, he told a story about a caged lion. And he said there was an army trying to defend the lion. And there were people writing books trying to defend the lion. Finally, someone spoke up and said, you know what? If you want to defend a lion, you don't have to have an army. You don't have to write books. Just let the lion loose. The lion knows how to defend himself. You know, friends, I don't have to stand here and defend God. God can defend himself. The lion of the tribe of Judah is able to defend himself. And what does this mean, pastor, to let the lion loose? Well, you know, there are a lot of Christians who want to keep the lion of the tribe of Judah in a cage. They want to keep God in a box. They want to tell God what he can and cannot do in their lives. There are some people that have reduced God to the Sunday morning box. They only want to deal with him and talk to him on Sunday morning. They say, Lord, I'll handle Monday. You just handle Sunday. But guess what, friend? He wants to be a part of every single aspect of your life. And I challenge you this morning to let the lion loose Now, you might say, Pastor, that's kind of scary to let the lion loose in my life, to say yes to the will of God, because that's ultimately what letting the lion loose means. It means that you surrender to God's will and God's authority in your life, and I know that that's scary, because God doesn't always do things that are are comfortable. God doesn't always do things that are safe. Sometimes He takes you places where you have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes He takes you places where His will wants to shape you and mold you. But you see, unless you give Him the freedom to rule in your life, you're always going to have a limitation upon God. In Psalm 78 verse 41, the Lord said about the nation of Israel that they limited Him in the wilderness... Now, that is remarkable to me because I think, how could anybody possibly limit God? God is almighty. He's all-powerful. How could anyone limit Him? And yet, He says about the nation of Israel that they limited Him. Well, how did they limit Him? They limited Him through their unbelief, through their lack of faith. You see, when you don't believe God, you limit His work in your life. When you don't, when you don't, when you don't believe God, You are not letting him loose in your life. This morning I challenge you with this. Let the lion loose. Let him fight your battles. Let him stand and deliver. Let him be the one that defends your case and your cause. The book of Deuteronomy chapter of 20 verse 4 says, The Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies and to give you victory. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, What then shall we say of these things? That if God be for us, who can be against us? And friend, this is still true this morning. If God is on your side, who can be against you? If God is fighting your battle, then who could possibly win against him? You see, we like to take matters into our own hands, don't we? We want to fight our own battles on our own terms. But when you let the lion loose, you're saying, God, not my will, but thy will be done. God, you're the one who is able to do this thing in my life. And when you allow God to do that, when you give him unrestrained access to your life, friends, sometimes he will take some things out of your life, and that might be scary. And sometimes he might allow some things in your life, and that might be scary as well. But I promise you this. When you let God loose in your life, your life will see the glory of God. Your life will see the power of God. Your life will see that God is faithful and that God is good. And so this morning I challenge you, let the lion loose. Let God do as he wills in your life. The second challenge is this. Let the lion lead. Say that with me. Let the lion lead. You see, if you really study a lion... A lion is called the king of the jungle. That means that by nature, the lion is a leader. I think it was Alexander the Great who said, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by sheep. He said, I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. And you see, you and I here tonight or this morning are an army of sheep. But guess what? We are being led by a lion. And an army of lions led by a sheep can't do anything. An army of of lions led by a sheep is weak and feeble because of the mindset of their leader. But when you get a bunch of sheep together and a lion leads them, all of a sudden they think they're lions too. All of a sudden they feel no impossibilities either. Come on, somebody. You and I are sheep being led by the lion of the tribe of Judah. Say it again, let the lion lead. Now the Bible tells us in Psalm 32 verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and I will teach you the way that you should go. Now that's God's promise to every person that will let him lead. He says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. Now, not only is that a promise, but it's also a protection. You see, when you let God lead, you are safe. Because he will never lead you where his grace cannot sustain you. Listen, you you might be in the middle of a storm, but if you're in God's will, you're safe. However, you can be sitting on a nice warm beach, sipping some iced tea, And if you're outside of God's will, you're not safe at all. You see, God says, I will lead you. I will instruct you. That's a promise, but it's also a protection. It's a guarantee that no matter what life throws at you, that as long as God is taking the lead, that you're going to be content and safe in him. Now, in verse 9, he challenges us a little more. And he says, do not be like a horse or a mule. All right, that's a good word right there, all right? Don't be like a horse or a mule that has to be led about by a bridle. He says, because they have no understanding. What is God challenging there? He's challenging there the the, uh, stubbornness that sometimes comes into our walk with God, where we want to do it our way, and we pull against the way that God wants us to go. And we pull away from the way that God wants us to be led. But he said, look, if you will let me lead, I will do things in your life that you couldn't do for yourself. And that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. Jesus said it like this. He said, "If uh, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. And he said, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? That means get Get connected to my leadership. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you see, friend, that is the difficulty with men. We don't want to take on the leadership of somebody else. We want to make our own decisions, call our own shots. But it comes right back down to what I've been telling you for the last three weeks. That if you want to tame the lions, you have to come to a place of humility before God. Where you say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I've got to be led by your spirit because I don't always know what to do. I don't always know how to handle the situations that come into my life. And then in verse 10, we're given a warning. And the psalmist says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Now notice that, that everyone who gets away from the leadership of God is going to have sorrows In their life. But he says, those who trust in the Lord, those who let the lion lead, are going to have the blessing of of God surrounding them. They're going to have the grace of God surrounding their life. This is what we've been singing as a church for the last few weeks. And we sang it this morning. As we say, let your kingdom come, we're really saying, God, come take control. Come and, and operate on me. Come in and do what you want to do in my life. Come and take the reins over my life. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm driving the car and the Lord is sitting there in the passenger seat. And he says, Isaac, I don't want to drive in the passenger seat uh, in fact, I won't go with you unless I'm the driver. And that's really the way God works, don't you know? He doesn't, he doesn't travel as a passenger. He's got to be the driver. He says, all right. Uh, I say, all right, Lord, you be the driver. And so there I am sitting in the passenger seat. I'm telling him, Lord, uh, maybe you should turn the headlights on, Lord. Uh, maybe you should go a little faster, Lord. You know, let's take a right over here. And the Lord says, Isaac, I'm the driver. You just need to be quiet. And Before I know it, I'm sitting in the back seat. You know, and from back there, I'm saying, Lord, uh, could, you, could you hurry it up a little bit? I'm getting older every day, and, and if you don't hurry this thing up, um, all these visions you're giving me are never going to come to pass. And sometimes I feel like the Lord says, Isaac. You know what? I'm going to just put you in the trunk of the car, all right? And when we get there, I'll let you out. But you know that's the safest place to be when you say, all right, Lord, you drive, you lead, you decide, I will follow, I'll do what you call, I'll do what you desire of me. Oh, but you see, friends, being led by a lion is scary, isn't it? Because sometimes he goes places that a sheep wouldn't go. Sometimes he goes places that a lamb wouldn't go. But you see, just like those 12 men that we heard about in that song this morning, when they heard him say, come, follow me, they heard the roar of a lion saying, I have a divine purpose and agenda for your life. Have you heard that call over your life? Have you heard Jesus saying to you, come, follow me, come and do my will, come and let me lead? And when you allow him to lead, friend, he will lead you to every place that God designed for you. Now, there's a hard fact here that I need you to know. And I don't particularly enjoy this fact myself, but you and I need to know it. Here's the fact. God's priority isn't your happiness. Oh, no, pastor. That's what I want God's priority to be. Listen, God's priority isn't, first of all, your happiness. Our happiness isn't his first priority. What he is interested in is what is best for us and not necessarily what makes us the happiest. You see, we want God to make us happy, but he says, Isaac, right now I'm not worried about making you happy. I'm worried about making you grow. Right now, I want you to come up and become the man that I called you to be. Someday, you're going to look at it and be happy. Someday, you're going to look at that circumstance and say, thank you, Jesus, because you allowed me to grow through that, but right now, I'm not concerned with keeping you comfortable. I'm concerned with making you become the full measure of the stature of God in Christ Jesus. Now, it's getting real quiet in the church right now because all of you like a safe Comfortable, predictable God. A God that doesn't take any uh, wrong turns. A God who has no detours. A God who throws no curveballs. But if you decide to follow this lion, you're going to find that there are going to be some moments in the road where you say, what is going on? And God says, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm the author of history I am in control. And so, what do you do to be led by the lion? How do you discover and discern God's will for your life? Well, Jesus gave us a simple formula. And this formula is so simple, you've all heard it before. He said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock. And the door will be open unto you. You see, if you want to be led by the lion, the first thing you have to do is ask. The will of God is available to everyone for the asking. Now, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. You know, most of the time when we get off course, when we deviate from God's will or plan for our life, it's not because we're rebellious. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it isn't. It's not because we are stubborn. Sometimes it is, but it's not always that way. Most of the time, when we deviate from the will of God, it's simply because we didn't ask. We didn't take the time to say, Lord, what do I do? How do I do this? What do you want me to uh, say, or how do you want me to approach this? Most of the time we start asking After we already made a mess of things. And then we say, okay, Lord, I need you to come and solve this problem for me. But today he says, look, if you want to be led by the lion, ask him. Ask him to show you what is his will and what is his purpose for your life. And then he says, seek. And God says, if you will ask, it will be given. And if you will seek, you will find. You say, pastor, where do I look? Right here in the pages of the Bible. Seek the word of God. Seek the wise counsel of the scripture. When you get into this book, you will find the word of God and the word of God is the will of God. Say that with me. The word of God is the will of God. God's never going to say something that contradicts his word. Say amen, somebody. He's never going to say something in, in his, it, it, you're never going to hear something from God that contradicts what God is saying in his word. He's always going to confirm a, a, his word. You can count on his word. And so he says, seek, get in the Bible, and look for the answer that you are trying to find. When you have to uh, come up against a financial situation go and see what does the Bible say about finances. If you're looking at a health crisis, go and see what does the Bible say about a health crisis. If you're looking at a relationship issue, go and see what does the Bible say about relationships. And when you get in the Word of God, you will find the answer. Trust me, friend, the Holy Spirit will make sure that you find the answer that you need. The Holy Spirit wants you to know the will of God. Do you know that, that God is not hiding his will from you? He's not hiding from you to see if, if you find it if some scavenger hunt. He has made plain to us his will in his word. Our task is to seek. To get in, into this book. To fall in love with this book. Because this book will lead us as a light leads in the darkness. And then he says knock. And that knock reminds us of prayer. It tells us that we must be a people who are constantly going to the throne of grace, constantly knocking at the door of of the throne room of God and asking God to reveal himself and manifest himself in our lives and in our homes, in our jobs, in our situations. You see, when you start to knock, sometimes we get discouraged Sometimes we don't get an answer right away. He says, keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking because if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door is going to be open. Spurgeon said it like this He said, faith asks. You know that when we ask for something, it's because we have faith that it can be given to us. He said, faith asks, hope seeks, but love knocks. Love stands at that door and insists upon waiting that God should answer. Jesus told a story in the Bible about a man who at midnight had a need in his life. Now you're thinking, 21st century, midnight, and most of you are still... Uh, Some of you are still up at that point. But in in Jesus' time at midnight, it had been dark for several hours already and people were in bed. And the doors were locked and it was rather a big ordeal because they didn't have three or four bedroom houses. They had, you know, their kids sleeping on cots all over the, the main floor. And so for someone to come knock on your door... At midnight was a very big inconvenience. And and so he said, This man went and knocked on the door, and he started to knock on the door of his friend. And his friend called from the inside and said, Do you know what time it is? It's midnight. The kids are asleep. We just we just put the baby to sleep. And if I have to get up and unlock that door and walk across those kids, I'm going to. Uh, It's going to be very inconvenient. And you would have thought that would have caused his friend to go away. But he just kept on knocking. He kept on knocking. Why? Because love knocks. Love knows there's an answer in there. And I'm not leaving until I get it. I'm not leaving until I get the miracle that I need. Is there anybody in here that knows how to knock and keep on knocking to wait on God to answer? Finally, that door was open. And the Bible said he opened that door. And he gave him everything that he could need. Even more than what he asked. This morning the lion says, I want to lead your life. Let me in. Let me be the guide of your life. The the historian, the writer of your days. Let me lead. And let me loose. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has overcome. He has overcome every sin that wants to control your life. He has overcome every sickness that wants to destroy your health. He has overcome every difficulty that you will ever face. He has overcome every valley that you will ever walk through. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has overcome, and he is able. To manifest his power on behalf of those who believe. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to give you an opportunity to say to God, God, I want you to lead my life. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've taken some wrong turns. I've made some bad decisions. Is it too late for me? No, friend. Today you can decide to let Jesus lead. And he'll take the reins. And if you'll obey him, you'll find that the path in your life will begin to go upward. You'll find that the blessing of God will follow as you obey. But if you consider, you, you decide, I'm going to stick to my own way. I'm going to do this my way. The Bible said that the path of the, of the wicked is hard. Life outside of God's direction is hard. It's hard, and it is harder all the way through. So today he says, come follow me. Let me lead. Let me take the initiative. Let me make the decisions. Let me show you the way. And if you'll obey him and trust him, You'll see his glory in your life. Now this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's call upon your life. Maybe you're in here this morning and you say, Pastor Isaac, I've never given my life to Christ. God is not in control of my life. God is not even a part of my life, but I want him to be. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to be Walking with Jesus. I want to have his presence in my life. You can have that today, friend. You don't have to await another day. That can be yours today. The wayward can always come back. And the moment when you turn back, that's called repentance. When you come in repentance before God, you say, Lord, I need you. He'll save you. He'll transform your life. He'll make you a new creature. He'll give you a new mindset and a new mind. And this morning, if that's you, I want you to pray with somebody that you might receive Christ as the Lord of your life. I'm going to ask the elders to come and those who have been helping me in the prayer team. Would you come too, as we've done in the last couple of Sundays? They're going to stand up here in this altar. And if you have a need in your life and you say, I want to agree with someone in prayer, I want you to come to this altar. Meet with one of these members of the elder team or prayer team, and we're going to believe that God's going to manifest himself in your life. And yet, if you haven't given your life to Christ, would you come and pray with one of them and just say, I want to give my life to Jesus? And they're going to lead you into into the prayer so that you can make that first step this morning. Would you come? If you need prayer, if you have... If you have a need in your life and you say, I want to I submit this to God's will and God's purpose in my life. This is a day of decision. Let the lion loose. Let the lion lead. Let him take control. Would you come as we sing, as we worship the Lord? This altar is open. This is a day of decision for somebody. To say, you know what, I can't handle this thing. God's going to have to do this. This is a problem for God.